Welcome to the KT Literary Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Nyan. I wanted to open today with a word of support and encouragement for writers from marginalized backgrounds, specifically Black writers. KT Literary unequivocally and unanimously believes Black Lives Matter. We strive to stand with and amplify Black voices. This is a continuing priority for KT Literary, but we are going to do everything within our power to make the world and our corner of the publishing world specifically, a safe place. We love you. We support you. In the coming weeks, we intend to continue to highlight our amazing authors, but we want to be sure we're also uplifting important Black voices in the bookish community. Since you're already listening to a podcast, I'm going to recommend a few others. Some of my personal recommendations are my Imaginary Friends by KT Literary's own L. Penelope. If you're a writer or if you're just curious about a brilliant creative person's process, this show would be an auto-subscribe. I had the privilege of talking about world building and craft with Leslie on our November 27th, 2019 episode. The QFD podcast with KT Literary's Mike Haspel. If you're a gamer or even remotely into sci-fi and fantasy, be sure that Mike is in your podcast feed. He also has some amazing perspectives on story structure, and he's just a lot of fun to listen to. I spoke with Mike about gaming in our April 1st, 2020 episode, but I want to bring him on again just to talk about his love of Star Trek and also the full-sized Han Solo and Carbonite statue that he created. So I guess I'll structure the episode around coming to terms with two disparate sides of yourself. I don't want to limit these recommendations to just our clients. So here are a few other fantastic podcasts that should be on your radar. Black Chicklet. They read and discuss books written by Black women. They talk about everything from classics to brand new releases. Brownish Book Girls. Their May 30th, 2020 episode titled We Are Tired is particularly powerful, but also don't deprive yourself of their Twilight retrospective either. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Shelf Addiction podcast. The perspective on fiction is fantastic, but Tamara Ford's monthly nonfiction shelf is also amazing. Today, we bring you an interview with the KT Literary client, Henry Clark. His middle grade novel, What We Found in the Corn Maze and How It Saved a Dragon, is a delightful, whimsical story that was recently named one of the Washington Post's Kid Post Summer 2020 Book Club books. As you'll hear, Henry is absolutely hilarious, and it's the kind of humor that translates into writing every bit as much as it does into a podcast interview. We talk about time travel and living history museums, and we laugh about alligators with COVID masks. If you're a middle grade reader, and even if you're not one yet, I can't recommend his books highly enough. Enjoy. Welcome to the KT Literary Podcast today. I am so excited to be talking with Henry Clark, author of What We Found in the Corn Maze and How It Helped a Dragon. Did I get that right? No, but it became close enough. <laughs> that they, what is yes. the correct title? The correct title is What We Found in the Corn Maze and How It Saved a Dragon. Oh, much more epic that way. Yes, yes. 
It's a spoiler right in the title. You pick it up and say, oh, they saved the dragon. Why would I bother to read this? I know how it turns out. It's just... To me, there's some kind of comfort in that. I just want to know that there's a happy ending. Well, okay, yes. It's, uh, uh, my, my books tend to give away the entire plot in their titles. <laughs> it's just a thing with me. I so. love that. Um, I'm going to ask you to give me the pitch for that book. But first, we are going to do a new segment that I'm very excited about. Um, and it is called Quick Query Corner. This is something that as a literary agency, we get so many queries. That's It really is one of the main things that we do. Um, it's not the only thing, but it's one of the main things that we do. And I'm excited because now you're our client and I get to turn this back around on you and ask you some quick queries. I'm going to ask you 10 rapid fire questions. Describe for me your work in progress in three words. Uh, wisecracking ghosts. Ooh. That's a hyphenated, wisecracking is hyphenated. So technically that was two words as okay. far as I'm concerned. So, so what's yeah. your third word then? Uh, uh, happy ending. Okay, Aww. that's four words. So happy. I love it. Happy, yes. wisecracking ghosts. Yes. Are you a plotter or a pantser? Uh, Panzer, as, as anybody who's read the books will say, okay, this guy had no idea where this was going, uh, which means that the reader doesn't either. So I think there's a big plus there. I agree. Yeah. When are you most productive? Um, uh, 10, 17 a.m. through 11, 23 a.m. If I don't get it done in that like, like virtual hour, it, it's not going to get done that day. It's, I, I'm a morning person and that's just about when everything's firing correctly. <laughs> and it's all downhill after like 11 something or other. I love your specific times. If anyone has read your new book, you're very specific It's all about, about there, are, there are seven specific times when magic works. And oddly enough, none of them fall within my most productive writing time. So <laughs> that tells you something. Well, that's because writing isn't magic. It's just a lot of hard work and a lot of talent and practice. Maybe. Just dumb luck. <laughs> factors in tremendously what is your favorite movie uh, uh monty python and the holy grail oh my goodness yes awesome. on, on, on a podcast i did two days ago it was abbott and costello meet frankenstein it, it always changes but it's always uh, some uh, funny movie no, never a serious movie i love uh, it yeah. my kids were walking around uh chanting in fake latin today and, and yes they have seen parts of that movie and banging their uh green lego uh platforms on their heads <laughs> oh yes the, the the monks the who monks. walk around yes the, who uh, have the holy hand grenade uh, in their keeping yes exactly yes <laughs> uh what do you listen to when you're writing uh, the guy next door mowing his lawn, and it infuriates me because he always does it from 10, whatever it was, 10, until 11 yeah. in the morning. Yes, you'd think <laughs> I would change my time or I'd go over there and tell him to change his time. But he also has like these big shears for the hedge, and I'm not going <laughs> to mess with him. It's just um, otherwise, given my druthers, I would have it totally silent when I'm trying to write. Uh, I, I cannot listen to especially anything with lyrics because mm -hmm. it, it just winds up winding in, up in the, in the book. It's, it's just um, uh, even, even, you know, instrumental that is too distracting. So and, and the sound of the lawnmower. Oh, my 
God. <laughs> but I mean, maybe it's Pavlovian now if it's linked to your most productive time. <laughs> yes, okay, I, I must write. The, I hear that sound. <laughs> what are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? I'm, I'm, I'm reading actually three different things. I'm, I'm reading uh, Jeff Smith's epic comic book called Bone, Ooh, which yeah. you said you have kids. I, mean, I don't know at what age, but uh, Bone is, is, is a good start. Yes. I'm reading uh, Terry Pratchett's um, A Hatful of Sky, which is about an apprentice witch. It's part of his Discworld series, which is a continual source of inspiration to me. And I so regret the fact that he passed away at the age of 66 and cannot provide any more of those. And um, th third book, uh, the collected short stories of uh, Ray Bradbury. There's like a hundred of them in, uh, in there. And it's just when I need a short story, I don't have time to read a novel. Uh, dipping in there is, is, is great fun. I so. feel like all of those answers are incredibly on brand for you. <laughs> Maybe, yes. It's perfect. But um so something a little bit easier maybe coffee or tea coffee but not hot coffee it has to be cold brew coffee and that's usually right after my productive writing time at eleven twenty-three or whatever it is <laughs> that's when coffee break is and i pour cold coffee two ice cubes and i go and i sit and i read one of those things that i'm reading uh so that, that right to hand is that cold brew coffee I, i've never really liked hot beverages um, maybe after a big restaurant meal, I'll have some hot coffee, but not at home. And it's just, but caffeine has to be imbibed. So cold brew is fine. That's perfect. Uh, just a couple more questions. Print ebook or audiobook? Ebook. Ebook. Cause I've, my shelves are full. Plus what I just learned fairly recently, if you read a comic book on a on a on a an e-reader, a mm -hmm. Kindle or or a tablet, you can enlarge the panels so you can see every detail of the art. And, and some of these artists are spectacular. Yeah. And I've like uh, got forty years of comic books to catch up on. So uh, the quarantine has been great. I've been catching up on Neil Gaiman's Sandman mm. and um, a, a whole lot of of uh, stuff. A comic book I read when I was a kid called Doom Patrol. Uh, has a new incarnation that is just off the wall, and I love it. Uh, so ebook, yeah. That's exciting. Do you have any pets? Uh, two, uh, two dogs. Coco, who's a, a Wheaton Terrier, and uh, Trevor, who is not a matinee idol from the 1940s, but a, a Chihuahua Jack Russell mix. <laughs> so he's. He's full of personality, and, and yeah, Trevor is, uh, I won't tell Coco, but Trevor's my favorite. Oh, wow. So, so. Your secret is safe with me. Yeah. Um, this also, I feel like, is very a very on-brand question for you. If you could time travel, when slash where would you go? June 6th, 1962. And that the, is? The Central Boulevard Elementary School, fifth grade, picnic and i would tell my younger self do not eat the potato salad because i was so sick oh no and, and i think the legitimate answer to any where would you like to time travel to is like you know not the world's fair of 1939 or or you know the hindenburg exploding it's something in your own life that you would just like to get in there and change so something and for me that was just Terrible potato salad. Oh, that's awful. 
All right. Well, now that we have that out of the way, and thank you, that was very fun. Um, <laughs> I'd love to hear like the actual elevator pitch for what we found in the corn maze and how it saved a dragon. Why, sure. Um, three middle school kids from a small Midwestern town discover a book of magic spells uh, that only work at seven specific minutes out of each day, and they're not even seven consecutive minutes. They're scattered, and if you don't get your magic spell said in the course of that one minute, it just doesn't work. So you've got to be very quick, you've got to pronounce everything correctly, and you've got to want to have the spells that uh, are in the book actually work, and mainly you wouldn't, because they're mostly housekeeping spells, like how to tidy a draw, or how to... Uh, change the color of a room, or things like that. Uh, nevertheless, uh, this does lead to a, a heart-stopping adventure involving dragons and a world where magic works uh, at all times of the day, but science doesn't. Um, and, okay, I see you've gotten off here at the third floor, even though your next stop on the elevator pitch was going to be the top of the building. So I guess this didn't work. Goodbye. And the door closes my face, and, and that's as far as we get. Um, it's a problem with elevator pitches, because whoever you're pitching it to can leave saying, oh, yes, this is my floor. I, uh, no, 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 this, I didn't get off. This, I was thinking. No, no, that... no. I, I, was, I was just imagining myself being in an elevator, actually talking to an agent or an editor, and, and that's exactly how it would end by that time. Which does happen. Uh, I, 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 I did not experience this personally. However, a uh, an old colleague of mine did have someone chase her down at a conference and shove a manuscript under the bathroom stall. So wow. it happens. <laughs> okay. See, and you have to Elevator wonder whether are great. anybody would actually pick up off the floor a manuscript coming under the bathroom stall door. But, yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. She did not work with that person. Oh, just okay. For the record. Just, yeah. <laughs> Well, I love that. I loved this book. It is so charming. It is so fun. And so did the Washington Post. The Washington Post, yes. That just happened today. So I've been sort of sort of elated, about as close to elated as, as I get, which is uh, I, I, I smiled. I actually smiled. Uh, but yes, the Washington Post has decided to make it one of eight books on their... Uh, kid Post uh, summer reading list or summer reading club or whatever but however it is it's it's, uh, it's number seven it will be read uh, allegedly in one of the weeks of August uh, and uh, I'm in very good company because I looked at the other books and I said oh, okay these are not slouches these are very good books also that is a so, beautiful so, list congratulations yes. that's Why, so exciting thank you yes um, so what brought you to writing and have you been writing for a long time? I, I mean, you have multiple books, but. Um, yes, I have multiple books, but I started writing in fourth grade. So it's taken me a, a long time to sort of catch up with my ambition. Uh, my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Lovett, that was her name, uh, gave one of those assignments. What did you do on Christmas vacation? And we all came back in January and, and uh, we had to read our little essays to the rest of the class. And reading mine, it got a couple of laughs. And I was immediately hooked. I said, holy cow, I can actually make other people laugh? This is great! <laughs> and in fifth and sixth grade, I, I wrote just, you know, for no reason at all. I mean, kids would say, you, you wrote a story without being assigned to do it. Um, and uh, But then life intervened, and I, you know... Uh, 
high school, college, and then I had to get a job where I could put a roof over my head and uh, didn't write again for another 50 years or so. Although there were a few little things along the way. I sold about a dozen articles to Mad Magazine in the 1970s, and a few little things here and there, but uh, I didn't really turn back to writing seriously until I was approaching retirement. So this is act two. Oh. What a fun act. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is much more fun than, than act one, where I had to, <laughs> you know, worry about, uh, you know, uh, vacation time and, and medical benefits and uh, things like that. So, yes. Anyway. Definitely the least fun. And now you get to hang out with middle schoolers and write yes! for them. And... Yes. Well, I was in a job for 30 years where I hung out with middle schoolers and, and younger. So, yeah, I'm sort of used to that. Um, Were you a teacher? No, I worked in one of those museums that had an awful lot of field trips that came to them. And we would really? tell tell these kids uh, how uh, the 19th century was, how you you know had to go to the blacksmith uh, to get your teeth pulled if, <laughs> if you lived out in the country, and <laughs> how a general store worked, and and uh, how you milked a cow. You know, one of these living wow. history museums, a la Williamsburg or uh, Sturbridge Village, or I I don't know. Uh, there must be some in California there, but California is so young compared to the rest of the uh, United States. That, anyways, yeah. that's where I, you know, I worked in costume. Wow. Yes. And my wife, who, who, my wife, who has always been a big fan of time travel, that's where we met. And if I had not been wearing a 19th century costume, <laughs> she probably would not have given me a second glance. So that's... What a magical story. Uh, in its way, yes, I guess it was. Did you work together? No, she was a volunteer briefly. Oh my goodness. And, you know, then I proposed and she stopped volunteering. So, you know, obviously uh, I, I weakened the uh, the village by, by you know, uh, proposing to her because she was no longer being helpful there. <laughs> so. Oh, that's amazing. Wow, I had no idea. It's, it's such a fascinating thing. So I did a little bit of internet stalking because you're Hillary's client. Um, right. So I have not worked with you before and I always like to get to know the people that I'm talking with on our show mm -hmm. and I did some internet stalking your website is so much fun oh okay I'm glad you thought that way a lot of the <laughs> photographs in it are of me in costume uh, yeah they just got repurposed uh, as if uh, we did this uh, as a photo shoot for the website but no those are just how I the things that I used to do I genuinely thought I was like okay so you got a photo shoot yeah no the over the years well if you look if you, if you look at that sequence very closely i mean you can tell i'm aging it's like oh he looks <laughs> 10 years older in this photo was it the same shoot no it's just a series done over a period of 30 years that's amazing so, so you said your wife is into time travel and obviously your second book i believe is about time. it's travel, called right? the book that proves time travel happens uh, again a book that essentially has a spoiler in the title and it tells you that don't read this book it simply proves that time travel happens so why would you bother <laughs> to pick it up what are like some of the best time travel properties like movies or books or oh well okay i mean uh, one of the seminal books uh was uh, a wrinkle in time i mean i read it when it first came out that this really tells you how old i am and i just reread it fairly recently and it turns out it's not a time travel book 
I mean, time and space are the same thing, as 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 as, sure. as, as the doctor and Doctor Who would explain to you. Uh, but uh, a wrinkle in time is all about uh, traveling incredible distances by folding space. But when you fold right. space, you also fold time. I mean, it was Mar- Madeline Lengel's way of, of moving her characters around uh, great distances very easily. They they tess her. Um, uh, so it's not really time travel. It's it's essentially uh, Captain Picard saying, you know, warp 17, make it so, and boom, you just travel the great distance in a very short amount of time, which is a great storytelling uh, gimmick to, to use. Um, Absolutely. But uh, from from the time I was watching, reading Wrinkle in Time, I was also watching things like The Outer Limits and, and, and Star Trek. Uh, Harlan Ellison's script for The Outer Limits called Demon with a Glass Hand, which is all about a guy coming back from the future to change the past to save, you know, the world in the future, and which enabled Harlan Ellison to sue James Cameron when James Cameron came up with Terminator. That was one of the seminal time travel stories for me. And I knew exactly that James Cameron was in trouble when I sat in a movie theater and watched Terminator. I said, oh, you know, you're going to hear from Harlan Ellison, who wrote the original uh, Going Back in Time to Save the Future story. So I I am really curious. You said you're you're comfortable with kids and you have what is what's it like standing in front of a bunch of middle schoolers and presenting at their school uh, it, it's 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 okay if it's in the classroom setting and you know they're at their desks and they're it's what they're used to it's absolutely hell if they decide to make it into an assembly and suddenly you have an auditorium full of kids who know that you know they can be throwing spitballs and and, and whatever um, uh, all, all, all my headaches have come from trying to address 300 kids as opposed to 30. Wow. Um, yeah. it's just, uh, but on an individual basis, it's okay. There was, there was one in the classroom thing where I'm talking about my little, uh, one of my earlier books, what we found in the sofa and how it saved the world, uh, you know, aimed directly at, at 12 year olds. And this obnoxious kid is sitting there and he's got the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft open in front of him. And he's looking at me. And obviously his reading level is way beyond my books because, I mean, I can't even get through H.P. Lovecraft. There are like multi-syllable words in there. And, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I know that I, I'm not really going to win him over because he's already reading at an adult level. Wow. Uh, but everybody else seemed good with my little book about, you know, finding things in a sofa and saving the world with them. So, and oh my goodness. So, you know, um, uh, there's, there is a generation gap at times. Sure. But yeah, it's but, fun. But that's to... fun. And I mean, your books are so like, the thing that I loved was how immediate the story was and how like, it's, they're just perfectly paced middle grade books. Oh my gosh. I love your pacing. Thank you. And they're fun and funny and they just suck you right in and they take you along on this journey, whether you want to go in it or not. And it's it's so great. I'm sure the kids must really respond to that. Uh, one of my best experiences was doing a reading at the library and the library. Um, well, the library usually pay their presenters. So I said, no, don't pay me. Just buy enough books to pass out to whoever shows up. And the librarian mm-hmm. um, said yes. So everybody had, you know, there were like 30 kids and they all had their copy of the book. And so I started reading 
And each time I'd turn the page, simultaneously they would all turn the page at the same time. And it was just, I said, wow, they're really following along with this. This is wonderful. So, um, yeah, that, that was a nice, nice uh, experience. Oh, my goodness, yes. Any other crazy stories from uh, uh, time not, not too. It's it just okay. you sort of live through because they can be exhausting. And, and, yeah. and uh, you know, the older I get, <laughs> the more energy I need. Um, yeah. It's writing specifically like being an author is such an interesting thing to me because it'll be like, hey, jump on a podcast. Hey, go talk in front of 300 kids, you know, and there's it. Writing is such an an interior thing and then you publish a book and all of a sudden we just expect you to be like an extrovert right yes so and a I great mean, presenter <laughs> and I, i'd love to be jd salinger and just you know write a couple of books and lock myself away in some country house and, and never have to emerge <laughs> uh you know i in my younger days i you know i was all set on i had the career path to being a recluse and and uh, that just just could not happen you know I got married and, and I wrote books and that, 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 that'll never permit you to just uh, hang out in your hut. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, now we are all kind of in our, we're yes. down. Yes, and, and in some ways that may have saved my life. One of the things my publisher came up with before the, the lockdown occurred was they, uh, I live in Florida and I live close to a reptile farm. And that reptile farm has a Komodo dragon enclosure. And somebody said, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do something with you, like signing books, talking about books in the enclosure with these Komodo dragons? And uh, that was, well, I don't know whether that was going to materialize, but I, I made it clear <laughs> that if I was going to be there, you know, promoting my dragon book, that I would like to be there with George R. R. Martin, who also does dragon books. That's the only condition <laughs> under which I would do this. Um, but they decided not to do it because of the, the quarantine. So probably it saved both. I don't think George would have you know, agreed to do it. But, you know, that was my my condition. I'll do it if George does it. I think that you could do it in front of the enclosure. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's, no. It, it's, a big, it's, it's a big tourist attraction here and it has reopened. And the oh, wow. the it's, they're having trouble putting those little masks on the alligators. They just, they just do not... <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, as lockdown is kind of continuing on and, you know, things are trying to reopen, we're trying to find what our new normal is. But what have you been doing to pass the time in quarantine other than releasing a new book? I, I, I got by fine the first few weeks or first months with, you know, catching up on reading and also starting a, a new book. Uh, but lately it's gotten, you know, a little crazy. Uh, in Florida, we have these little lizards called anoles. They're about the length of your index finger. And we've had a lot of them in the backyard. I mean, they're sort of cute. But I found myself like trying to train the anoles. Like I, I thought we could do like a little circus type act. I imagined like a little human pyramid with like three or four anoles on the bottom. And, and they, but they will, they're untrainable. They will just not cooperate. Uh, they're too easily distracted. Other than that, uh, it's just been watching an awful lot of streaming movies. Uh, I've gotten streaming services that I know I will ditch as as, as soon as we're allowed out, but I'm yes. catching up on a lot of, of stuff that I've missed. This Breaking Bad thing, I think, is going to be a good good show. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so. You know, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's good. I keep finding myself at my family and I live in Phoenix. And when we drive to Colorado to see the agency or family or whatever, we always drive through Albuquerque. And so we're always oh. like, oh, man, we should rewatch Breaking Bad. They do tours in Albuquerque of like, you know, the house and, 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 and all the things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can buy uh, blue rock candy. Oh, can you? That is pretty sick, but I love it. I know. Yes. Yes. I I just, I can't bring myself, especially now, I need real heroes. Anti-heroes are, oh. are hard for me at the moment. So. Well, middle grade, you, it's, it's all it's all real heroes. It's all and, real and, heroes. Yes. Yeah. And um, Cal is so magnificent. And I just, yes, I love that book. Well, me too. That's odd. <laughs> that we should both have the same taste. Crazy. But, yeah. Well, since Boundless Optimism is a cornerstone of KT Literary as an agency, I always like to end our interviews by asking our clients, what's making you happy? So, Henry Clark, what's making you happy this week? Uh, in addition to the Washington Post picking my book for a, a summer read. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you've got that <laughs> pretty locked down. <laughs> The, the the fact that I just recently hit the 40,000 word mark on, on, on the latest uh, manuscript, and that's usually the uh, no uh, point of no return, that the momentum is there and I know I'm going to finish this. And when I reread yesterday's, I said, oh, that was amusing. And, you know, so. Yay! It's, I, like, I'm my, I'm my first audience, you know, if I can amuse myself, which, well, it's not that difficult, but I, I'm sort <laughs> of demanding when it comes to the writing, so... Uh, that seems to be going well, and I'm f hoping to send Hillary something by the end of July, early August. So we'll All see. All right. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's well, thank exciting. thank you. Yeah, I think so. Yes, we need more. We need more happiness and more happy ghosts in the world. More happy, <laughs> wisecracking ghosts. Yes. Oh, I love it when there's a callback at the very end and <laughs> ties everything together. Brilliant. You're welcome, sir. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been an absolute delight. Well, I've, I've had some fun, yes. Yeah.